Amen. Father, we, after all these years, have not lost the wonders of your mercy. I'm sure most of us think about it every day, how you came and redeemed us, and the, the mount ran red as your blood flowed down the cross and onto the ground, causing the entire earth to mourn the death of our Savior. Oh, Lord, we'll never, we never want to lose the wonders of your mercy, Lord. No, Lord. Never. It's amazing to us, Lord, how you could love us so much even while we were enemies of you, sinned against you, did all kind of sinful things, but you forgave us the wonders of your mercy. Blessed be the name of you, the living God, the Lord and Savior of the world who had it planned from the very beginning at the fall of man, and yet that scarlet thread runs entirely through the entire Bible, Lord, of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Oh, we love you today, Lord, with all of our hearts. Yes, Lord. You're our God. You're our Savior. You're our Deliverer. You're our Healer. You're our Sanctifier and Justificator. Lord, you are God and there is no other. And we're here to worship you today, Lord. We're here to learn of you today. We're here to love on you today. Yes, Lord. Because you love us. Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak loud and clear today to each and every one of us. And I pray that it rises up before your throne as a sweet-smelling aroma of the saints worshiping you. We pray in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I was sitting there when I was in the back looking at all you you people worshiping. That's why I sit in the back. Most of the time I sit in the back. For years at other churches, you know, that I was a pastor in, I'd sit in the back because I love to watch the people worship the Lord. I just love it, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, when I was, when I was first saved and became, you know, a believer, I thought, I'm going to be the only person in the world that is following after Jesus. I'm going to be this religious Jesus freak. And then I look around today, 43 plus years later, and I see there's a whole bunch of crazy Jesus freaks around. <laughs> and I'm there, praise God. Praise God. There's a whole world of people that love Jesus with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our soul. So, so um, keep up the good work, church. Keep following after Jesus and loving on him. And um, you can't go wrong. That's all there is to it. We're going to open up with a couple of scripture verses today. I mentioned to you 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 through 5. Okay? I just want to remind you we're in the series that I've been writing for years. You know, this is like the ninth, eighth or ninth year I've been writing. The book is like this close to being finished. I got one more chapter, and it's almost done, and then I got to send it to Jim to edit, edit it um, because he's been editing it for me. So make sure I use the right scriptures. Make sure I use the right people. 
make sure I didn't say anything wrong, you know, which I used a lot of your insights, Jim, for, you know, just so you know. Um, anyway, um, I want to remind you, as I have been for years, and reminding myself also that we are soldiers of Christ. We're not just the bride of Christ. You know, we're not just the church. We are soldiers in a war that has been raging for centuries. And that is the war of all ages that you will find in Daniel chapter 7. And I'll touch on that today if I get that far, and I think I will. Okay? Um, but I want to remind you, soldiers, we just can't sit around and do nothing. We got a lot of work to do. As you look at the news, you can see that. You know, the world's going crazy. And the Lord told us it was going to go crazy. And here it is. It's upon us, even in our generation. But here, this is to Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy. Okay? Verse 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier in active duty entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Listen, you've been enlisted into the army of God. If the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you got the revelation from God and you followed after him, you have enlisted in the army of God. I heard one young man mention it yesterday at the men's group. You know, a lot of people, they, get, they come to church, they, you know, maybe thousands even at crusades get saved and um, they say that the sinner's prayer but many of them walk away and they forget all about it because it was a head knowledge prayer. And, and, and this young man likened it to, you know, uh, a dad telling his son, don't touch the stove, it's hot. Don't touch the stove, it's hot. Well, when you've prayed the sinner prayer, you, be, you, you, what can I say? You, you came to know that it's hot. You listened to your dad, it's hot. But then again, the reality came when you touched that hot stove, and now reality sinks in. Well, some of you are in that first stage where you said the sinner's prayer, but the reality didn't sink in yet. You've got to get to that reality and let it sink in. You know what? Once you touch on Jesus, man, the reality is he is there, and he is true, and he is honest, and he is right, and he's our healer, our, our justifier, you know, our... our our Savior and our Lord and our God, just like Thomas in John chapter 20, verse 28, when, he, when Jesus said, Thomas, put your finger into my wounds. And he said, and be not unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas, like he just fiddled. It doesn't say in the scripture that he fell on his knees, but I think he fell on his knees and he goes, my Lord and my God. Wow. You're a soldier of Christ. These guys were soldiers after Pentecost. Not so much before Pentecost, but after Pentecost, they became soldiers. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read 1 through 6. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After he had, by the Holy Spirit, given others orders to the apostles whom he had chosen 
To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. This is Jesus' last command before he was ascended. And it's to not only the disciples of Jesus that walked the earth when he was there, but every disciple of Christ. Here's what Jesus said. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem until they, and until they wait, and wait for the Father's promise. The, pro Father, the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized you with water, but he who he but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Listen, Jesus is telling you, you know, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's talking to his disciples here. Okay, it, you know that Jesus ascended forty days after the after the resurrection. It's written right here, forty days. So he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. So he said, not many days from now, we know since, since Jesus ascended on the 40th day, and we know that Pentecost is on the 50th day, we know that they waited 10 days before the Holy Spirit fell on them in baptism. You've got to remember, John the Baptist came right on the scene in Matthew chapter 11, our master chapter 3 and verse 11 and he said you know he who comes after me is mightier than I I'm not even able to untie his sandals he I baptize you with water for repentance but he who comes after me will baptize you in the Holy Spirit okay you can see that you know they were blown on in John chapter 20 when Jesus appeared to them resurrection evening evening in the up in the upper room most likely you know he he before he left he breathed on them and he said receive the holy spirit now he's telling them you're going to be baptized in the holy spirit not many days from now now turn to Acts chapter to verse 8 go down to verse 8 but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. This is God saying, when, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. Okay? Power. And the word there in Greek is dunamos, which means, which we get our word dynamite from. So we got to remember that. You're going to receive power. Listen, the, the, the disciples were... It was 50 days till Pentecost. And the disciples were powerless. Did you see anything that they've done in those 50 days that amounted to anything? No, nothing's recorded because they didn't do much. They were scared chickens. They were hiding out from the Romans. They were hiding out from the Jews who wanted them dead. They wanted to prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. They were powerless. So Jesus told them a promise. You're going to get a promise from the Father, the Holy Spirit, and you will be made powerful. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Lantana, 
Palm Beach County, Florida, the United States of America, Brazil, Africa, the whole entire world. They lack that power. And I'm, in, I'm under the conviction for 43 plus years that the church today, most of it, is lacking this kind of spiritual Pentecostal power that the church, early church had. They lacked it. They weren't doing anything until Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they began speaking with other tongues. And fire, cloven tongues of fire appeared on their head. And, and the Holy Spirit came, not a rushing wind, like a rushing wind. They heard it probably, but didn't feel it. They heard that rushing mighty wind coming to them. And all of a sudden, everything changed. Everything changed in the church. You go to chapter 2 of verse 1 through 4. Let me read that. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. Notice that. It wasn't a rushing mighty wind. It was like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing them. And they rested on each one of them, 120, you know that, right? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, how many were speaking in other tongues? All. All. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. That was a, a, a God's proof that you have been empowered. And that's our lesson today, is the empowered soldier of Christ. And for the most part, as I said, I don't see this power any very, not so much in the United States for sure. If you listen to Reinhard Bonnke and Daniel Kalinda and you, uh, and you go to Derek Prince, you're going to see all these miracles in the world. Because they minister into, a, into countries really that, that are, are not moving into post-Christianity. They have like the live spirit. I was blessed when one couple that came here years ago and stayed here for years until they moved. Um, you know, when they came in and they, they went back to the place that they were meeting and friends of theirs and they said, you got to come to this church that we just found because it's like living in the days of Pentecost. Yet we don't display any wildness in any way, shape, or form, you know. We just praise the Lord with our hands in the air and, and maybe speaking in tongues or, or dancing, you know, very calmly with your hands in the air, blowing kisses to the Lord. Beautiful, beautiful. We got to remember, though, you know, that we, we are soldiers. We're, the, you know, the... Pentecost has not ended. The book of Acts has not ended. It goes on and on and on. And I'm going to show you as we move through this chapter. I want to remind you, we are all soldiers of Christ. A soldier is a very courageous person. A soldier, whether it be a man or a woman, is someone that's willing to lay down their life for freedom so that you're free or lay down their life for you. That's every soldier is supposed to do that. 
That's what they're trained for. They're trained. That's why we have Memorial Days, and that's why we have Veterans Days, you know, in the United States, because these people put their lives on the line for your freedom and my freedom. Soldiers are brave and courageous. They are gallant men and women of God that march right into the battlefield un unashamed, very courageous, knowing that they have the power of the Lord God above them, before them, behind them, and to the sides of them, and above them and beneath them. They know that they're fighting from the victory, not to the victory. The victory was already won at Calvary. Jesus, you might have lost a few firefights, as we would call it in Vietnam. You might have lost a few firefights, but the war is already won. The devils haven't figured that out yet. But I read the back of the book, and so did you. And you know what happens to the devil, you know, and his unholy trinity and death. I'm going to be jumping, 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 jumping when death is destroyed. And that's the last enemy that will be destroyed, says the Scriptures. You're a soldier of Christ. And we went through um, uh, the soldier of Christ, and we're on, on the seventh thing, which is an empowered Christian soldier. But I want to remind you, when you enlisted in the army of God, as God called you, you did an about face. That's called repentance. You told the Lord, I repent of my sin. I decided, I decided to follow you. And you enlisted in the Lord's army because the Lord had this poster out there, I want you, Maryland. And you said yes. Smart. Then once you became a soldier and you were, and you did an about face through repentance. Without repentance, there is no salvation, church. And for those online, if you don't repent, there's no salvation for you. Your sins are red as scarlet, but they shall be white as snow. You need to do an about face. You need to touch that hot stove and say, this is real. Jesus is real. I remember when we were in Belgium, and this little guy... Uh, Arnold was his name, 16 years old, tried to commit suicide several times. We took him into a deliverance meeting, and while we're ministering to him for, for like, I think we ministered to him for, like, 12 o'clock in that morning until 12, 12 o'clock in, well, noon, until midnight, and nothing really happened. The next day we took him in. We went through hours after that, and all of a sudden, while he's, he's laying there on this couch and we're praying for him, he jumps up and he goes, he's real. He just sits up real fast and goes, he's real. And the guy didn't even talk English. He's talking in English now. He goes, he's real. He put the reality to it. And to this day, he's serving in the churches over there. I get things from him all the time. Arnold. Now he's about 25 years old. And he's serving God with the music ministry. And he has, a, he has a, another kind of ministry, like a, like a, I don't know, what could you say, like a, a play ministry. And he does plays, you know, in churches. Well, you know, he touched the hot stove, and he said, he's real. And for those of you that prayed the sinner's prayer but never felt that reality, you need to touch the stove and touch on Jesus with all your heart. It's not... Knowing it, it's the revelation of it. So after you did, went through about face and repented, you went to basic training where you're trained in the Lord. You're being made a disciple. That's where the church is weak today too. 
We need to make disciples. You know, where we're not, we aren't told really anywhere to, to, to make converts. We're told, Jesus told us, to follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But he told us to make disciples, go and make disciples. And that's what we're supposed to do. So basic training is like that. You're being made a disciple. You're learning how to use your weapons of warfare, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, and the belt of truth, and the, and the, and the, and the shield of faith. That's where you learn how to use these things. In, a, in the real army, that's what you would be learning. You'd be learning how to fight. And that's what we're doing here today. You know, we're learning how to fight. You're a soldier of Christ. You need to know how to fight. And you know who you're going to fight. Well, the Lord told you who he's going to fight. You're going to fight, you know, the devil and his darkness that follows. And in that basic training, you're to be, you're being, what can I say, making progression in your walk with the Lord. Progressional sanctification. You're sanctified because of your position in Christ. You're sanctified, but you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's called progressional sanctification. If you've been saved for 43 years and you're still going goo-goo-ga-ga, you haven't grown very much. If you're saved 43 years and you're teaching the gospel of Christ and leading people to Christ and reading your Bible and you're being made a disciple, Then after that, while you're in basic training, while you're there every day, you, you, know, you hear this trumpet blow and you're out on the field. You know, you get out in formation and you're fully packed for war. Whatever you have to do. There's a trumpet going to sound someday. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we'll always be with the Lord. And the prior verses to that, you know, Paul is telling the Thessalonian church, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. These things are going to happen. You better be ready for it. So, soldier of Christ, you better have your gear on. The helmet of salvation, as I mentioned. The breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. The shoes of peace. The sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You better have them on. Nowhere in the scripture does it tell you to take them off. It says, put on Christ. Put on the armor of God. It doesn't say take it off. So you're in Reveille. The night is spent. It's morning. Morning is here. It's almost here. You well know that. Morning is almost here. Then after that, you specialize training. After you go through through basic training, and you uh, and then you go to, you know, you're learning Reveille and how to use your weapons. You move to your specialized field. It's called AIT, Advanced Instructional Training. You're wondering why I say this every week for the last seven weeks, right? Because I want to drive it home. I want to drive it home. This is just a review. We didn't get to the study yet. You were told you got spiritual gifts, and you're going to be trained at AIT how to use those gifts. And God has been doing that with every one of us. The gifts are necessary in the church. Absolutely necessary. Then, after you're trained in basics and then you're trained at AIT in your specialized field, you know what gift of the Spirit you have and you're using it. It's time to march forward. That's called using that gift. It's time to march forward into the world. 
who got outside the, the stronghold, outside the perimeter that was set up, and you march out into the field to serve the Lord, to do what he commanded you to do, whatever it be. Might be to start a church, might be to be a missionary, it could be, you know, to feed the poor, it could be anything, a number of things, any number of things, but you need to do it. You need to march forward. Once you're in that formation on in Saturday morning or, or in the morning at Reveille, you know, you're told usually something like this, left face, forward march. We need to do that. Next step was last week, chapter 6, was guard duty. Every soldier of Christ needs to have guard their heart. They need to guard their soul. They need to guard their mind. They need to guard their tongue. They need to guard their ways, and they need to, you know, to be totally committed to God. They need to, to protect God's other sheep. And they need to guard the flame in your heart. You need to guard that flame in your heart because as, as uh, Salvation Army William Booth put out there years ago, he said, the tendency of fire is to go out. Even at Pentecost, as far as the, sa the saints were all fired up, but that fire tends to go up, you know, to go out. So what this word instructed to do is to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. As you study the book of Acts, you will see the disciples that were baptized in the Holy Spirit were never baptized again in the Holy Spirit. They were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit several different times. Why? Because we can't let that flame go out. Because if we do, our heart is unguarded, our mind is unguarded, our soul is unguarded, our tongue is unguarded. You need to guard your ways, too, because, you know, the way some Christians live just isn't right. It doesn't reflect who you reflect. You're a light in the world. You don't hide your light under a bushel. You don't snuff out your light. You guard it. You put more oxygen on it. That's called the Holy Spirit. He's the wind. You put more oxygen on the fire, and then it bursts into flames. So after guard duty and all these things are done, you need to move into the next step, which is our subject today, the empowered soldier of Christ. Why? Let me ask you, why does a soldier need power? When you fight against the enemy, you better be well equipped. You better be in spiritual shape. You better be in physical, good physical shape. We need power so that you're not fearful, but then you're but you're obedient. And one of the good one things about be obedient church and even those online is you should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not just receive the Holy Spirit and sit in a pew and do nothing, but to be baptized in the Spirit. And baptism really means saturate. You're saturated. You're not just, you know, just, um, just a half cup full of water. The cup's full over the top, and it's overflowing into the saucer, and it's dripping over every, onto everywhere you go. 
because you are filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened with Peter and Paul and John and all the disciples as they walked with the Lord. They were, they were uh, excited. They were on fire. And even Peter slipped back a couple times, and the apostle Paul had to rebuke him about, you know, you used to eat with the Gentiles, but now you don't eat with the Gentiles. What's going on here, Peter? Huh? What? Didn't you see that God, you know, had the Holy Spirit fall on the Gentiles just like he fell on us? And Peter had to regroup, repent, and say, Paul, you're right. It's essential for every soldier of Christ today. Yet if you go to most churches around and you ask, um, what do you believe on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Some pastors don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not cutting down on churches. I'm trying to motivate the church. Motivate the church. Where are the signs that accompany those who believe in his name in the churches today? Over in Africa, which I've been getting reports from Brett over there in Tanzania, things are happening. Things are happening. A woman, a Muslim woman who was demon-possessed ended up accepting Jesus Christ as she was screaming and running out the building or something like that. Wait till Brett gets back. He's going to tell you some of these stories. He was over there like two days, and he got a report that 20,000 people accepted Christ with his team alone. 20,000 people. There's five teams over there of 20-some people each. His team, in a couple of days, 20,000 converts. I hope they touch the reality of who Jesus is. Where are these signs today in the church? I've been praying this to the Lord for a while. Where are all these signs? I lay my hands on lots of people and some get healed. But where, where is this happening? Why isn't it happening? Am I lacking the power? I preach on this uh, as it's one of the important teachings in Scripture. The church needs power. We look at the Muslims and they're, they're overpowering the Christian church for crying out loud. How? When we have the power of the Holy Spirit, they have nothing but demons behind them. The Holy Spirit's the power of God. Here, Romans 8 and 11 tells us that, that you have the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. That rests in every believer. What's going on? Why aren't these signs accompanying those who believe in my name? Mark chapter 16, I think it's verse 17. Why? How do we get that power? Let me remind you, who do you think is behind hiding this important doctrine from the Christian church? He's called Satan and his cohorts of darkness, has hidden this, and he has tripped the church up terribly today. And he has disempowered them because they want nothing to do with it. They put fear. They put fear. He put fear in Christians. Oh, I might get the gift of tongues. Oh, I might get the birth of prophecy. Oh, my. I might have to go to Brazil and minister. Oh, my goodness. 
Where is the courage a Christian soldier needs to have? I remember that day. I remember I didn't know what God was going to do with me once I got saved. I come out of a family on both sides that had no Christianity whatsoever. They had church, big denominational type church, no Christianity. I was made to go to church. My parents didn't, except Easter and Christmas. He placed fear in the Christian church concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The enemy set a booby trap for the Christian church, and we have fallen right into it. Why? How? On the back table back there, I ran a bunch of fervent prayer of applications off. It's 17 pages long. And I liken it this way. Why? People say, that's awful long. And these questions on here are very, oh, they're, I shouldn't, I don't want to answer a lot of these. I say, you got to answer them, you got to answer them truthfully. Because I'm a soldier, and I'm walking into your minefield, and I don't want to step on a landmine. So, you got to fill it out honestly. If you don't, believe me, the Holy Spirit will tell us. I've seen it done uh, many times. Matthew 3.11, again, John said, He who comes after me, whose sandal I am unworthy to even untie. Another gospel says to even put on his sandals. He said, He will baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit and fire. That makes Jesus the baptism. The baptizer, I should say. That means when you ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus baptizes you, not Pastor Joe. Or Harry. It's not, not us, it's Jesus. He's baptizing you with the Holy Spirit. And who is the Holy Spirit? It's, he's the Spirit of Jesus. If you don't want the best Spirit of Jesus in you, you might want to think your, your level of commitment to the Lord. When you do this, the enemy is ticked off. Because he knows that you know that he is not alone, he is not powerful. It's you that has the power through Christ. So what's he try to do? He tries to stop you from using your gifts in the world today to motivate other believers. You're saturated with the Holy Spirit. That's all it is. You're saturated, just like being baptized in water. I say that many times we go through fervent prayer before or after, or people I meet, I always ask them, have you been baptized? Just a two weeks ago or three weeks ago, right here, I asked the guy, were you baptized in, in the Holy Spirit? And he says, yeah, I was baptized in water. I, said, I told him right now, I said, I didn't ask you that. I asked you if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says, I didn't know anything about that. Of course, boy, you should have saw everything change in his face. All of a sudden, we've got a lot of interruptions up here. And he walked away without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I haven't seen him since. This is important, church. This is, one of the, this is a doctrine. It's recorded in the scriptures. It's seen in the book of Acts. And it's talked about in the epistles. That makes it a church doctrine. But you don't see it written as a church doctrine, do you?
the devil has fooled many a Christian soldiers, and they believed his lousy lies. And Jesus told us he's the father of lies, right? The devil has been rendered utterly powerless at the cross. Jesus made an open spectacle of him, triumphing over him through the cross. And the, the penalty of the law that held us down. A lot of Christians are saved, but they're ultimately powerless. And that's not good. A Christian soldier, just like a, a regular army soldier, he needs to have power. He has the power of, of the, the general behind him. He has the artillery fire. He has hand grenades and bullets in his M16. He's not afraid. He just marches. Do you ever, what's that, what's that movie or the book, The Charge of the uh, Light Brigade? Onward, onward, Christian soldier or soldier. And one says, hey, why should we do this? He's, you were, you know, how did I forget the quote, how it goes? Yours is not the reason why. Yours is just to go and die. That's it. You know, we're going to die someday. Might as well go out in Jesus. That's the best way to do it. Yet if I fall over at this pulpit right now with a heart attack, people will say, Pastor Joe must not have been, pull, must not have been preaching the gospel. That's what they would say. They wouldn't realize that the devil wants to kill me. And he has tried many times. He wants to kill you too. He came to steal, kill, and destroy, but you, Jesus came, you have life and have it abundantly. That was, be, that was before the cross, by the way. Jesus said, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy before I'm crucified on the cross, and then you have the authority to kill him, to tell him and take a hike. That's B.C., devil can't take your life. Revelation 1, 17, 18 says, Jesus said, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I was dead, and I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to hell and death. So the devil can't kill you. The righteous man you know, can rise, fall seven times and rise again. The righteous man is indestructible until God is done with you. Indestructible. Ten days after Jesus said that, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're no longer cowards hiding out anymore. And you, when you became a Christian soldier and you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, you should be courageous and brave. You should be powerful and aggressive. This is what Daniel prophesied in Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to read it to you because I love this verse and I use it all the time. It's, it's uh, 7, verse 22 of Daniel. I'm going to go to 20, no, 20. I'm going to go up to um, 20. And remainder, oh, and the meaning of the ten horns, we're talking about the devil here, that were on its head and the other horn which came up and before which three of them fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts and which was larger in appearance than the associates, kept, I kept looking. 
This is Daniel. I kept looking. And that horn was waging war with the saints. And he was overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came. And judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Most High. Then the time came that the saints should possess the kingdom. I don't see the church possessing the kingdom too much. Not here in the United States, anyhow. You can tell that by the last election that went down. Listen, this this is a this is a really important thing. Here's here's basically what's going on in this prophetic passage. Daniel is, a, is the revelation of the Old Testament. You know that, right? It's the revelation book of the Old Testament. Okay, this is prophetic. This chapter. There's a war going on. It's called the War of All Ages. It's been going on since the defeat in the garden, the fall in the garden, until death is thrown into the lake of fire. War of all ages is raging, and we live in this war. But we're comfortable in our pews. We're supposed to be soldiers. You're supposed to be ready at all times. You're supposed to have your weapon right there with you. Your sword is supposed to be out like this, not in the sheath. Your shield is supposed to be up like this and not hanging on your back. The war of all ages is raging. These horns here are the devil and his, his demons, and they're blaspheming God. And in, verse, and, and, and in one of the verses, I think it's around 12 or something like that, here we see the Son of Man comes riding on the clouds. Guess who the Son of Man is? You know who he is, right? Jesus Christ comes riding in on the clouds. And he defeats the enemy, the horns, as you've seen in Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman will bruise Satan's skull, but you will only bruise her heel. So he defeats the enemy, and it's fulfilled in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, 13 through 15. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he, that's Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through him. And then the Ancient of Days is there. Okay, that's the Father, right? Here's the Ancient of Days, and he passes judgment. He demands a verdict. He gives out his verdict. And what's his verdict? You know, the devil was overpowering the saints, but now he's, he's empowered them, and he said, it's time for the saints to put the kingdom. And that's why you see in Matthew chapter 12, I think it's verse 11, you know, it, the, the, uh, the scripture says that, that um, you know, we should go and, and possess the kingdom. We, we come strongly. I've got I to gotta find that verse. Let me turn to that verse before I, I blow it and mess it all up. Okay. Um, Matthew chapter 12 maybe it's 11 12 11 verse 12 here from the days of John the Baptist 
until now, this is Jesus talking, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence. What's the prophetic message here? The next line. The violent men take it by force. Where's these violent, courageous, gallant soldiers? We're, we're supposed to take the kingdom by force. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And even the Christian church is full of filth, and there's unclean vessels all over the place. And I don't cut myself out of that. We need to wake up. The ancient of days passes judgment. He rules in favor of you. The devil's here. You're here. The devil's making all kind of accusations against you. And God, the Father, he rules in favor of you because you're a saint and he's a devil. Who do you think God would pick? It's time for us, church, to, to take back the kingdom with force. The church is stagnant. We're dull. We're asleep. We're lacking the Holy Spirit's power. You know that the uh, a regular soldier's sword, when he uses it all day long in a battle, he has to come in at night and he has to sharpen his sword every night. So the battle's not over even after he comes in from the battle. But the Word of God, as you learn the Word of God, as you use the Word of God, your sword gets sharper and sharper and sharper. That's why preachers can sit up front or stand up front and preach Scripture after Scripture right from their brain because every day they're sharpening that sword with the Word of God. Here's the baptism in the Holy Spirit is where you receive the power for, for victory. You want to be a victorious Christian, an overcoming Christian, you have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know those three, three um, Greek prepositions? One of them is para. In the Old Testament, you know, paraclete, he would come alongside Samuel, the prophets that were prophesying, David, you know, he would come alongside them and then he would leave. That's the para, paraclete, like a paramedic, like a paralegal, um, or come alongside the lawyer. Then you have the Greek preposition in, which is, you know, in, it's en, and it means in, you know, he comes in you. Well, the Holy Spirit came into you when you were saved. Just like he came into the disciples on the, on the night that Jesus blew into them on resurrection evening in the room. He blew on them. The Holy Spirit was in them. But there's another Greek preposition, which is used in Acts, okay? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, which is epi, E-P-I, E-P-I, Epi. Epi means to saturate or come upon you. And he stays upon you. He stays upon you in power. He doesn't leave. Neither does the one in you. But he isn't, he isn't upon you. And he upon means, you know, to, to just be there all the time. Your victory lies in being having the Holy Spirit upon you. 
So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're saturated. Like I said, the cup's overflowing into your saucer, and everywhere you go, you're dripping the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. Jesus even said the same thing. You know, in our passage I read in Acts chapter 1, he said he told the disciples, and he, he didn't say, I wish you would go to Jerusalem. He said that he commanded them. He commanded every disciple, as far as I'm concerned, to go to him and have him baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus said, Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit. What's going on here? They had him in them, but not possessing them. That's the way I could put it. You want to use that possess, word possess? Use it in the, the, the born-again Christian that is baptized in the Spirit. He is possessed with the Lord. You can't keep your mouth shut. Everywhere you go, you want to preach Jesus. Even if you're shy, you want to preach Jesus. Maybe it don't come out as, as good as some people because they've been more equipped. They have special gifts, as we learned as we went through um, the, the uh, gifts and the, the basic training and the Reveille and the, and the AIT that I was talking about, okay? Result, the result here was getting saved is great. I'm so happy you're saved. But if you want to mark the world and you want to possess the kingdom, I mean, you want to take the kingdom by force, you can't do it by by just being saved. You have to have the reality of Jesus Christ in you. You have to have that baptism of the Holy Spirit because the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Romans 8, 11. You know, we're told in the Scripture that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. We're told in John chapter 1, John chapter 2, Jesus said, I'll raise myself from the dead. And then in Romans 8, 11, Jesus the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Now, who is it? The Father raised Jesus, Jesus raised Jesus, and the Holy Spirit raised Jesus. Why, well, we got three gods here, or are they the same God? Since you're a triune being, spirit, soul, and body, and we were made in his image, guess what? Guess what? The Holy Spirit reigns in you. When you pray over somebody and lay hands on the sick, they should recover because you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's all over you. Here's the signs. Look at this. Mark 16, 17, and 18, as I mentioned before. You'll cast out demons. How many of you believe there's demons around? Really, raise your hand. The whole church. You can cast out demons. You know why? You're a saint. You're a saint of the Most High God. The devil can't prevail against you unless you let him. These signs, there's more signs. You'll speak with new tongues. Oh, there's what the devil fear all over the church. You might speak with tongues. Listen. Oh, my goodness. There's sometimes when I pray, I just don't know what to pray. I'm heavy. Sometimes I just cry. Sometimes my heart just breaks. Sometimes I'll speak in an unknown language. But I know the Holy Spirit's doing the praying because I don't know how to pray. When you lost a loved one, you had stuff in your heart, you couldn't express it. The Lord knows exactly why those tears were flowing down your eyes. That's a form of tongues as far as I'm concerned. 
I think you need it a little deeper than that. You need to be able to pray in tongues. I walked, marched around this whole property about a month ago, dumping uh, a, a quart of olive oil <laughs> all over this country, all over this property. I went around the property where we, where we rent. I went around the building. I went around the mailbox. I went around the, the uh, van sitting out there because I anointed this place with oil. Some of you think I'm crazy, and I know some of you are crazy just like me. You can see the stains out there to this day. Because I believe, I believe that I can cast out demons and keep them out of here. I believe that I can speak with new tongues. And then Mark 16 says, you can, it says, you can pick up serpents. You can pick up serpents. I don't want to pick up a serpent. Serpent, I hate serpents. I looked up the Greek word. The Greek word that says picked up can also be put down. So guess what I choose? Put down. I'll put down serpents because this is another, another passage that tells you you have authority over devils. You can drink deadly poison. It wasn't, won't hurt you. If you're on a missions trip, somebody sticks poison in your glass. Like Paul was bit with that viper in Acts 28. He just shook it off into the fire. The poison was harmless to him. Harmless. And so this poison would be harmless to you because you didn't deliberately test God and drink it. Somebody tried to kill you with it. I believe that we can claim that verse. I know, I, I hope you're happy that I believe that faith is, is important. Number five in that passage, you can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. It doesn't have to be Pastor Joe. It doesn't have to be Jim. It doesn't have to be Harry or, or Janice or, or anybody. You, you can lay. That's just to all believers. You can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I believe that. Jesus said in John 12, 14, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me shall do the same works that I do and greater works. First of all, I believe the greater work is salvation. You can do that. You can lead people to Christ. But also, greater works is, it's greater in quantity, greater in number, or greater in quantity, greater in quality, and greater in number. That's the way I believe it is. You can have a choice, Christian. You could be saved with limited power, or you can be saved and have the same power to raise Jesus from the dead, saturated and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Now unto him who is able to keep you, unto able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. The power that works within you is the Holy Spirit, church. We need to realize this. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So why do we fear? Every good and perfect gift, even if it's tongues or prophecy. Personally, I'm scared of prophecy. I'm not scared, but I don't really care for that gift. But yet, you know, I know what I do up here is part of it. Listen, every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So why would you let the devil trick you into believing that tongues is from the devil. 
It's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Why would you think God would give you a snake if you asked him for a piece of bread? Come on, Christian, wake up. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Every, you know, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Come on, God's a good God. He doesn't throw lightning bolts at you. What are these gifts? What are these gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, I went through that if you were here on Thursday nights. Okay, there's, there's revelatory gifts. There's wisdom, knowledge, and discern, discerning of spirits. There's power gifts, which are faith, healing, and miracles. There's vocal gifts, which is tongues, the interpretations of tongues and prophecy. And there's encouraging or exhortative gifts, like, ex like giving and helps and leading, mercy, administration, and teaching. So why would you fear any God-given gift? That has to come from the devil. Fear is false evidence that appears real, as you well know. Apollos was preaching, and he was teaching pretty he was preaching accurately. But here comes these, this couple called Aquila and Priscilla. And this, uh, it says in the scriptures in Acts chapter 18 that Apollos was an Alexandrian. He was an eloquent man. He was mighty in scriptures. He spoke and taught accurately in the Lord Jesus. He, acquainted, he, acquainted only with John, he, he was acquainted with only John's baptism. That's the water of repentance. He spoke boldly, fervently in the spirit. He instructed in the way of the Lord. Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and told him a more excellent way. That's what I'm telling you today, church. There's a more excellent way than just being saved. There's a way to be baptized and empowered as a soldier of Christ for battle in this world today. And it's time for us to take back the kingdom. And that more excellent way is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you can't deny it, Christian. It's all through the scriptures. As I said, it should be a church doctrine, just like communion. Pentecost hasn't ended. The church never ended in Acts chapter 28, 30 and 40. Here's 30 and 31. Paul rented his own quarters and preached, welcoming all who were willing to hear, preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. We should be unhindered preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what? Pentecost was a Hebrew Pentecost. Those people that were saved at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 were Hebrews. You know, in Acts chapter 8, Philip was preaching up in Samaria, and guess what? There was a Samarian Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell on them, and they began to speak in tongues. And then Peter was told to go down to this this, um, this Gentile's house, who was a, a Roman centurion, and he preached the cross and the resurrection to Cornelius, a Gentile soldier, and there was a Gentile Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell on his whole household, and they began to speak with other tongues. That was a sign that they were baptized in the Spirit. 
Then Paul had a Pentecost on the road to Damascus. He was, he was in nine, Acts chapter 9. He was blinded. He was praying for healing. He was told, God told Ananias to go down there and lay his hands on him and, and he would recover and he would be healed. And Ananias was questioning that. I heard about this guy. He's bad news. And God says, don't worry. He says, I, he's going to be my servant before Gentiles, kings, and all of Israel. And you know, he's going to suffer greatly for me. And he was baptized into Christ Jesus. And then he was baptized into water. I believe the baptism in the Holy Spirit came first before he was even baptized in the water. So it doesn't matter what order it comes. It matters that it's done. Paul, according to 1 Corinthians 14, he has more tongues than any of you. He speaks more, more fluently in tongues than any of you. And if Paul has a gift of tongues, boy, I certainly want them. Paul has the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want it. Peter has it. John has it. Timothy has it. I want it. You know what? I had a baptism in the Holy Spirit. I was born again July 25th, 1977. I was in a Pentecostal church. It was called Greater Pittsburgh Bible Church. After I was baptized in water on September 25th, exactly three months later, I was baptized in water, and when I came out of the water, I went up to the sanctuary, must have been praying or something, and the elder and a pastor came up to me and said, were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, I was baptized in water. I said, you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I said, and they showed me from the scriptures that it was real. I said, yes. I said, yes. I said, it's in the scriptures. You should want it. You should want every gift that God gave you. You should want everything that he wants to give you. If your daddy puts a whole bunch of gifts under your tree at Christmas, are you going to just open one of them? I want to open every single one of them. I had the baptism in the Holy Spirit, July 25th, 1977, and my mother was saved, my family was saved, my dad was saved, my uncle Tony was saved, and a bunch of other people that I worked for were saved. If I didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't be here today, I can guarantee you, because even in my, my good times, there was an awful lot of bad times. There was a time in the scriptures, in, the, in, the, in, in my walk, when I didn't speak or hardly talk to anybody for four years. I was so downtrodden and tramped underfoot by the devil. But when God, re you know, straightened me out, I was signed up for Bible college. So the devil ultimately cut his own throat. And you need to let the devil cut his own throat by you receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and getting out there. So here's, the, here's my conclusion, really, is hopefully you've had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't, I have oil in my pocket. I'm almost always with oil. And I'll come up here. You come down here, and we'll get the deacons down here and uh, some others, and, and we'll pray that you be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know what? If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you slip back a little bit and that flames a little bit out, you can come up and be refreshed. Acts 3.19 says, you know, that um, repent, that your sins might be blotted out, and times of refreshing 
might come from the presence of the Lord. So you can be refreshed in that baptism. And then you'll be able to do what I preached not too long ago on Resurrection Sunday. You're going to come, you're going to see that Jesus is risen, and then you're going to go and you're going to tell with great power and authority. And as you see from this study, listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a distinct and separate baptism from water. It is. If you don't believe me, you read the scriptures and read them with an open heart. And that tells me the last point, really, that I need to get to the Christian soldier. You must get rid of self to believe the Word of God. You must get rid of self. Self is nothing but a hindrance to you. There's a war that goes on in your spirit, Galatians 5, 17. And the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh so that you don't do what you, you uh, want to do. Well, the spirit's calling you right now. It's time for you to come forward. It's time to you to move in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's time for you to go forth and tell the world that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is risen from the dead. And if you don't, you might just be what the army would call AWOL, absent without leave from the Lord. AWOL. You're absent without leave, and God has not called you to absence. He has called you to be there. So be there, church. This altar is open. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Come on up front. Those online, get on your knees right now. Here's my question. My question is, do you have the Holy Spirit? No. Do you have the Holy Spirit, or does the Spirit of God have you? Say that again. Do you have the Spirit of God? Does the Spirit of God have you? That's what the baptism is. You're saying, I'm all out. I'm all out for Jesus. Get up to this altar. Get on your knees and pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus will show up and he will baptize you with a sign that will follow. In Jesus' name. Juan's going to be baptized in the Spirit, but I want to call Jim up, and you can keep it on the on air, honey. Jim is on. Jim is a as a chaplain, and he's on his way um, to his tour. Every year he takes a tour with his R. He has an RV ministry, a traveling RV ministry, and uh, he's leaving. He'll be gone for several months, and he goes where God leads him and preaches the gospel. And he's been doing this for many years, and I just wanted to pray over him. If he would extend your hands forward, he's leaving sometime this week. All right? Father, in Jesus' name, I want to lift my brother Jim up to you, Lord. He's a chaplain of you, Lord. He's, he's called to, to preach the gospel. He's very fluent and very active in what I just preached, Lord God. And I pray that you use him in a mighty way as he goes. Father to God, we bind back forces of darkness. We loose the Holy Spirit all over uh, our brother Jim here, Lord. And we pray that you protect his, his life. We pray that you protect his vehicles. Lord, we pray that you make divine appointments for people all around this country as he travels. And Lord, may it all be for your glory 
and for your honor. And when he comes back, Lord, I'm sure he's going to give us some beautiful reports of what you have done. Last year, it was kind of messed up because of this COVID thing. But this year, Lord God, he's going out there more powerfully as he did be in the prior years, Lord, to preach the gospel to those that you call him to preach to, whether it be a whole church or whether it be one-on-one. He's ready to do it because he's willing to do it, and his fire has not gone out as he's baptized in the Holy Spirit, and to you be the glory. With the devil's bound, Lord, and the Holy Spirit loosed, we send our brother away with, uh, with beautiful words and a beautiful God to come back to us and report all that you have done in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Amen. Anybody want to anybody want to be baptized in the spirit or refresh their baptism? You come on up here and I'll I'll anoint you and we'll pray. Harry, Jim, come on up. John, I I know you're baptized in the Holy Spirit on. So we want for a fresh baptism? Huh? <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Yes. Amen. Amen. Father, on is asking to be refreshed in her spirit. I see her in the back there dancing, her hands up to the Lord, up to you, the Lord, blowing kisses, Lord. And, uh, Father God, we know that she loves you with all of her heart. And, Father God, she's just here to renew and refresh her commitment to you, to be refreshed in the baptism. The time of refreshing would come to her. She's got big plans coming up, Lord God, and we want to make sure, too, that, that she follows the Spirit and not the flesh. So, Father, we just put her in your hands, and we thank you for her, Lord. Just such an inspiration to us here at Freedom Church. To you be the glory, Father, for on. In Jesus' holy, precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Anybody else? You up here? Yeah. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Amen. Okay. Thank you, Mom. How about um, Matt? What's anything special? Just a fresh touch? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come before you for Matt. Lord, Matt's a powerful soldier in Christ, Lord, and he just wants a time of refreshing. I know, Lord God, he's been studying, getting his bachelor's degree in divinity, Lord, and, and Father, he's been burning at both ends. Lord, I know he needs to be refreshed right now. His sins be blotted out. The time of refreshing would come, that that flame, flame in his heart would be guarded and guarded and guarded by you and kept and kept uh, well, Lord, alive and well and fiery, Lord, as you blow your spirit's oxygen upon him, Lord. So, Father, we just give uh, Matt over to you for your glory, Lord. Refresh his, his gifts that you gave to him. Lord, I know he has a te- gift of teaching and preaching. And, Father, not only that, but music, Lord, and worship and, uh, and uh, many other things in his life, Lord. So we just lift him up to you. Father, in Jesus' holy name, Lord, that refreshment would fall upon him. And to you be the glory for it all, Lord. And Father, 
both of these people on and and Matt, Lord, as they walk away from this place, Lord, let their let them receive some new um, new words to pray in the gift of tongues that they have, Lord, for your glory to bring it before your throne, Lord. So we just give them over to you, and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Amen.